in our prayer needs this morning. Uh, Pat uh, Pollard, some of you know her as Lee Pollard, uh, is at home out in Carlotta. Uh, I've been out there a couple of times this week since she's gotten home. And uh, she is doing okay. Uh, and uh, so just... Uh, she wanted to have everybody know how appreciated she, how much she appreciated having uh, prayer for her and uh, praying her through this time. And I was going to suggest that you know cards and notes of acute, uh, uh, encouragement uh, would go a long way to helping her adjust at home. One of the uh, things that uh, is difficult for her is is that uh, she now has no animals, which she had many of. Uh, prior to this uh, leg injury and surgery. So, uh, just uh, prayer support and and cards and notes of encouragement would be greatly appreciated. And uh, also, just to continue to pray for uh, this uh, cycle of COVID that's going again and and ask the, the Lord to break the cycle and bring healing and, and uh, bring an end to this. Um, also, just in the Eel River Valley in the Humboldt uh, County, that there would be revival in the church and uh, growth with new believers. I think that uh, it's one of those things that uh, we sometimes forget to pray about, and, and so I just wanted to have you add that to your prayer list. And then certainly the in the news that's going on, uh, the flooding is just horrendous, uh, and to the and, and simultaneously with the flooding uh, further uh, west, there's a, a terrible drought going on. And uh, that's even into California. And, and so uh, we're aware of that. The heat uh, back east and down through into Dallas and now up to uh, Portland and uh, Seattle. Uh, they're having three-digit temperatures. Uh, and it's not normal. And so... Uh, Lots of uh, heat stroke and different problems with that. So here we've got flooding, drought, and heat wave all at the same time and uh, needing our prayers on a regular basis. So um, is there any uh, prayer needs that would somebody like to add to our list this morning? Okay, so uh, the injury is in her back, it appears. Okay, okay. Any others? Let's pray together. Father, again we come this morning with confidence bringing our needs before Your throne. You've given us that open door and told us that You are prepared to meet us with Your mercy and Your grace and and we come asking, Lord, that You would meet these needs, uh, taking care of Pat and, and, and helping her to a full recovery and uh, all of the uh, needs that we've mentioned uh, as far as the nation goes with the, the flooding and the drought and the heat waves. Uh, we just continue to ask, Lord, that You would uh, bring an end to these things and bring strength and bring healing, bring 
the needs that people have, uh, just uh, that there would be a great outpouring of resources to meet the needs of these people. With They've lost so much. And we just ask that You would minister to them. And Lord, we ask that You would uh, be with Teresa, uh, not knowing specifically the injury, but but asking, Lord, that uh, You would touch her body and bring strength and healing for her. And Father, I just think, uh, having had an opportunity this week to meet with a number of, of pastors uh, who are preaching the Word, who preach Your death, burial, and resurrection, Your coming again uh, with faithfulness, we ask, Lord, that You would use these pastors, these churches, our church, to reach out into the community. That there would be not only revival in the church, but a reaching out and a uh, flood, Lord, of people coming to know You. As we open Your Word this morning, we ask that You'd open our hearts and our minds to receive from You. Cause, Lord, those things that would distract us to be set aside that we might focus and, and glean from Your Word this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, we're moving into Daniel chapter 4 this morning. And uh, in, as we do, uh, just uh, uh, an interesting thing in reference to chapter 4, uh, it's a, actually a letter from Nebuchadnezzar himself. He is, this is something that he wrote that Daniel has incorporated and uh, obviously something that God wanted us to see. And it could stand alone by itself, but Daniel brought it in and incorporated it into his uh, overall picture here that he was writing. And it actually becomes a perfect completion, if you will, to verse, chapters 1, 2, and 3. And so chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4 kind of stand as a unit unto themselves. And that has to do with Nebuchadnezzar's reign and time. And then it'll move on uh, to a different uh, time frame in uh, the uh, Babylonian kingdom. So uh, this is about Nebuchadnezzar. It continues uh, uh, from chapters 1, 2, and 3. And uh, it is how he's related to his people and and. And it's like I said, it's written by Nebuchadnezzar himself. Uh, so let's look at the first three verses and uh, we'll see his introduction to this. King Nebuchadnezzar to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs! How mighty His wonders! His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and His dominion endures from generation to generation. So, Nebuchadnezzar is starting this out with a great introduction of of how awesome God is. I want you to understand that this introduction was written after what is recorded in chapter 4, or uh, verses 4 and on, as those things occurred first. And then this introduction was written later as a, like a preamble to it. And so, uh, we still have 
Nebuchadnezzar having problems relating to the awesomeness of God. He, he declares God as, as, as an amazing thing, especially after the fiery furnace and all of that. We'll take another look at that in just a moment. But he, he keeps slipping back into, I'm in control. I am the one who brings things about and it's for me. And, and, and I'm causing these things to happen. And he keeps falling back into that. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. How to avoid that and, and, and in our own lives as well. Um, chapter 4, verse 4 starts out with Nebuchadnezzar having another dream. And this dream is, uh, again, an interesting dream. And so I would like to just share it with you as we read it through the Scripture. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon Babylon, uh, should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Now, you notice this time he's bringing them before him. He's going to actually tell them the dream and then see their interpretations. And so the magicians and the enchanters, the Chaldeans, which were astrologers as well as the name astrologers, came in and I told them the dream. But they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came in before me. He who was named Belshazzar after the name of my God and in whom is the Spirit of the Holy Gods. And I told him the dream saying, O Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the Spirit of the Holy Gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and their interpretation. Now he's going to go on and relate his dream. So here he is set up again. God has revealed something to Nebuchadnezzar. And again, you understand, he is a non-believer. And I want you to see the sovereignty of God in this, that God can and does use anybody He chooses to accomplish His purposes. And so, as, as Nebuchadnezzar is going on with this, he, he wants to know and understand this dream that he's had, and he's explained it to his enchanters and his, his astrologers and all, and, and they're unable to give it to him. And Daniel shows up and he says, ah, now I can get this taken care of. So he shares the dream with Daniel. Verse 10. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth. And its height was great. The tree grew and became strong and its top reached to heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head uh, as, as I lay in bed and behold a watcher, a holy one, very likely actually an angel, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said, uh, th- said thus, Chop down 
the tree. And lop off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump and its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze and the tender grass of the field let amid the tender grass in the field. And then it changes from the tree. It says, let him. The only, pro, the only word this pronoun can go is to the word tree. So it's, it's like there's a personification going on here or something to that effect. It says, let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be the beast and the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's and let, his beast, let the beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him, or seven years of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers and the decision by the word of the holy ones to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw and you, O Belshazzar, Daniel, tell me the interpretation because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the Spirit of the holy gods is in you. You can tell, by the way, that Nebuchadnezzar is talking here that he has a high regard for Daniel. And yet, when he looks at Daniel and, and he hears you know, Daniel teach and speak and other things, he... he gives the, the, the glory to his gods. And so he's still not really acknowledging the one true God, even though he defended Daniel's God in chapter 3 in a very unique way. Let me remind you of what he wrote there, in, 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 or that was written there in chapter uh, 3, verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar says this, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent the angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Now, most of your Bibles will have that second one capitalized. In other words, he recognized these guys have their own god and he protected them from who? Him! Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be uh, torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So the king acknowledges that, there, the, that the Jews that... Is, have a God that is powerful. And yet, he slips backwards here in chapter 4 a little bit and, and, and focuses more on his gods. And, and he, he uses the, that terminology, the, the gods, uh, uh, that are mine, you know, his gods. In verse 18... He says, O Belshazzar, tell me the interpretation because all these wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able. 
And then Daniel, it says in verse 19, whose name was Belshazzar, was dismayed for a while. And his thoughts alarmed him. Now, this dream alarmed Nebuchadnezzar too. Okay? The king answered and said, Belshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. In other words, Daniel sees sadness and, and, and trouble in this dream. And he is in a relationship with, with Nebuchadnezzar that is, is unique in the history of, of man and Christians and Jews and, and leadership in the sense that he is a, a very highly exalted person within the kingdom of Babylon. And, and he, he says, I would, I would rather this dream would happen to your enemies. But he goes on. Verse 20. He says, The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, and he gives the same description that reaches to heaven, that covers the, uh, the shade for the beasts and the food. He said in verse 22, This tree that became strong, verse 22, it is you, O king who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown in the reaches to heaven and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time will pass over. So here we have it again, this repeat of the, of the dream. This is the interpretation, O King. It is the decree of the Most High. And when Daniel speaks this way, he's speaking, this is the decree of my God and the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The one that you've acknowledged. This is what he has to say. that you shall be driven from among men. You shall be... Excuse me, I'm going to repeat that. You shall be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And you shall be wet with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time, seven years, shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will. And as it is, it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the, that, from the time that you know that heaven rules. What Daniel's basically saying here is, you're going to be, for the next seven years, you're going to be like an animal of the field. And God is going to protect your kingdom though. Notice that it says when the tree is chopped down that it's protected with iron and bronze and straps and the roots are still left. What that means is that the kingdom is still there. It's the roots of it are still there. And it's protected. God is protecting it. He Himself is protecting 
this kingdom. And he's going to protect it during the time that Nebuchadnezzar is being judged. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may be perhaps a lengthening of your prosperity. So within the framework of this, Daniel sets up an opportunity. He says, change, basically, change your ways, Neb. Turn around. Go a different direction. That God might lengthen your prosperity. Nebuchadnezzar, you would think, would catch a hint of some of this. He's being given an opportunity to not have to go through this. And yet we pick up in verse 28 the sense of Nebuchadnezzar's arrogance. He says, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. So a whole year has gone by now since this prophecy has been made. He's walking around the roof of his palace, which was, was a common place to be. That was a, a place where they would sat, sit in the cool of the evening and, and cool off and this type of thing. And, and so he's walking and looking at his kingdom, especially the city of Babylon, and, and he says to himself, basically, is this not the great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? You see the arrogance here. He's saying, I've accomplished all of this. It's me. He's got, what, what we, the, the, I remember a, a children's musical probably 30 years ago now. It was, uh, there was a song, I Have Eye Trouble. Me, myself, and I trouble. And, and it was this idea that, that we, we get so focused on ourselves. This is where Nebuchadnezzar was. So the arrogance was, was clearly there. I have accomplished this. It, it's my doing. And here he's been going through this whole thing with the dream with Daniel and all this about how he needs to acknowledge that God is the one who is sovereign over all this. And what does he do? He gives himself the glory. He gives himself the credit. I look at this and, and I think to myself how often I've probably done something similar where I've ignored the Lord and said, you know, wow, look what I've accomplished or what I've done. And uh, we forget sometimes to realize that God is the one who's opened and closed doors around us to bring us to where we are. In His sovereignty, He's drawn us into His presence. How blessed we are that we've been able to recognize Him, ask Him to enter into our lives and, and, and enter into the family of God and, and become citizens of His kingdom. But the reality is, is that we're still prone to take and have maybe a little bit of this eye trouble ourselves. So Dan's counsel, Daniel's counsel was, was, you know, turn around. 
but the king has nothing to do with it. While the words, verse 31, while the words were still fresh in his, you know, the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules. The kingdom of men, He rules the kingdoms of men, and He gives it to whom He will. And immediately, the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among the men and ate grass like an ox. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as the eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. You know, it's interesting... Nebuchadnezzar, after the, the fiery furnace, even even there, there was a sense of uh, you know, as he's preparing to to judge them and put them in, he says, "Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands?" That arrogance, and then it happens, and he actually acknowledges it. And yet, within a year, he's back to his old ways, looking at his kingdom and saying, "Look what I have done." Daniel told him what judgment would come upon him. He interpreted the dream. God has been trying to get his attention. And as a result, it says, it came to pass. I, I put in my notes, yet one year later, Nebuchadnezzar continues in his arrogance. Brings on a judgment on himself. And at the end of seven years, God restores him. And this is the redemption that I really wanted to look at this this morning. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, again, he's the one writing all of this. He's recounting this. And if you think about it, that's an amazing thing. He's recounting his failure. That was never done by the kings. They, they weren't, and the scribes, if he's having a scribe write this for him, were never allowed to recount any of the failures. And he himself is having this written down or he's writing it himself. At the end of days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion and His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And He does according to His will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay His hand or say to Him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and my splendor returned to me. 
In other words, God restored him. My counselors and my lords sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Not only was I restored, but I was given more. But the important thing to see here is this picture of, you know, that he's saying, bless the Most High God, and he praised and honored Him who lives forever. Many of the commentators that I looked up on this believe that there was a conversion here. I can't say for sure that that happened. It doesn't say, and he was converted. (laughs) But boy, he speaks like someone who has had a major change in his heart. And when you think about what he's written here, he's told everything that he has done and what he has done wrong, and how God has punished him, judged him, and then redeemed him. Look at the last verse, verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all His works are right and His ways are just. And those who walk in pride, He is able to humble. What He says here, in this, as He writes it, He says, I gave praise and I extolled and I honored. And I, and I you know, what this means is it, when they're put together, especially like this, is to praise with great enthusiasm. It wasn't just a, okay, like he had before, and said, okay, your God's great. That was kind of a casual interaction. This is something that he it has nothing to do now with Daniel. It has nothing to do with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This has to do with him and God. And he says, I praise, extol, and honor him. The King of heaven. All His works are right and literally righteous, and all His uh, uh, and uh, and all His ways are just or fair. And what He's saying here is that the judgment that God put on me when He says this phrase and the way He's doing it is a completion of this story. He's saying God was fair in His judgment of me. The punishment He put on me was fair. It was righteous. God is righteous and just in all His works and ways. And then this one picture, those who walk in pride, He's able to humble. He's kind of giving a warning to future kings here. Beware, this God is in charge. He is sovereign. He can bring all things to pass that He says. The biggest truth here that came to Nebuchadnezzar, I really believe, is he is God and I'm not. He's in charge and I'm in the back seat. There's a tendency to want to be a backseat driver for all of us, but this is the way he's putting it. He is God, I am not. When we see 
I, 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 I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Over the years, living in various parts of, of, of uh, California especially, uh, been in different churches, served in a couple of different churches, and there are times where uh, at least one church that I, that I was a part of uh, for a season was, you know, it, there was nothing in, in any manual or book or anything about it, but the, as you got involved with the church, you realized that it was very works-oriented. I did this. I do this. And therefore, God blesses me. Okay? And, and it became, again, a sense of eye trouble. I deserve. And I came to an understanding, especially when I went to, uh, uh, on to Bible college and seminary, I, I came to an understanding that you know, if I, de- if I use the word I deserve, I'm in serious trouble. Because all I deserve is death. Physical and spiritual. Separation from God. This is what I deserve. Why? Because I've sinned. And I have absolutely nothing to bring to the table to undo that. No series of words, no series of offerings. Uh, I, I think of an acquaintance that brought a check annually to a church uh, and, and it was on a big placard and the newspaper was there and everything and he would hand the, the, the check over to the church and the, the check was for the amount of whatever the church was in the, in the red that year. And he was a permanent member of the board came to church about once a quarter and you know he he was earning in his mind what Nebuchadnezzar has come to understand is it has nothing to do with what i do what i see who i am in that context it's the one true god who has shown mercy on me and as i was looking at this i realized that this is what Paul was trying to get across to uh, the Philippians when he was talking to them about the, uh, Christ and what he had done. Paul wrote to the Philippians, he said, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count, uh, did not count Uh, equality with God, a thing to be grasped. Why did he not have to grasp at it? Because he had it. But, made himself nothing. He was equal with God. He has God in in, in every way. And yet, it says he made himself nothing. Um, 
some of the, the translations read, he emptied himself. He emptied himself of his authority and, and, and his position and place. Taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in a human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What I deserve is to be separated, but because of what Christ has done, I am drawn to the throne of God. I am looked at through the blood of Christ, and I am seen as one without condemnation. I love that Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Nebuchadnezzar was full of himself. I deserve, I am, I have, I did, I made. But at the end, notice what he does. He acknowledges the one true God and says he can make an arrogant person humble. God asks us to come. For instance, when we come to communion together, He asks us to come with a humble heart. Because it's not something we deserve but because something He has blessed us with. The grace, the mercy, the cross. And all who confess that Christ has come in the flesh, all who confess that Jesus has been raised from the dead, Paul says in Romans chapter 10, shall be saved. It's not because of the money we bring. It's not because of the faithfulness to attend. It's, not. it's the reality that God is sovereign. That was what Daniel was driving at to get this. Why I believe he included this letter from Nebuchadnezzar into this writing was to help us to recognize it's because God is sovereign that we can rest with confidence. The sovereign God of all creation entered into humanity, became flesh, became man, servant of men to the point of the cross that we might have eternal life. Let's share in communion today. And as we do, uh, we have time to sing. And, and uh, we still are not passing the tray. So we ask that you come up and take communion while, pick up the communion while we are uh, singing our communion song. And then hold it until we've all been served, until the song is over, and we'll share together. great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain I could not climb in desperation 
I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain, there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise, your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, yours is the victory. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. God, you are my Paul wrote to the Corinthians in the 11th chapter about communion. He says, I received from the Lord what was also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when He was betrayed, 
He took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Let us share the bread together. Paul continues, In the same way, also He took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. Do this as often as you drink it. And remembrance for me is, for often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Let us share. Once again, Lord, we come to You and say thank You. Thank You for Your mercy, Your love, Your grace. We recognize that we are saved only through Your mercy and Your grace. And we ask, Lord, that as we worship You and praise You and thank You, that You would cause us to grow in an understanding of what an awesome God we have. And be prepared and willing to share that good news with others. And to encourage one another in our walk with You, Lord. We thank You for Your Word that gives us direction. Give us wisdom as we read Your Word, as we hear it preached, as we study it. Cause us to be Christians after the pattern of Psalm 1 where we take Your Word and meditate on it. Day and night, seeking Your face in the process. Wanting to know You better. We worship You. We praise You. We thank You. Go with us as we leave this day and and be with us. We thank You for the beautiful day that You have blessed us with. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand as we close? And we have refreshments in the back. If you have time to visit for a little while and to share, feel free to do so. And again, thank You for being here this morning. Lord bless. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing, I will sing, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness, thy faithfulness. With my mouth will I make known Thy faithfulness to all generations. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing, I will sing. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. With my mouth will I make known Thy faithfulness, Thy faithfulness. With my mouth will I make known
make known thy faithfulness to all generations. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. Again, Lord bless. Have a good day.